glad you're here today. Glad we get to hang out together. Let me say a couple of things up front here before we get into today's message. A lot of times we throw open to question and response at the ends of our messages. Uh, it's just kind of a core value of ours. We even put it on a t-shirt once. Not a t-shirt anybody can have unless you just take that one off the rack. Um, but you can buy it off uh, online. <laughs> Literally just took it. Uh, we're, we're, we're trying to create a, a way for you to buy that one. It won't be any profit to us, but you can you can get that. The other one, the Help People period shirt, is going to be everybody on March 1st is going to get one of those for free. We should have, you know, a pretty good estimation of all the sizes that we need. We we took sizes last week and then ordered more in every category, um, but just made sure that we have enough of those. Uh, that's not what I meant to be talking about. Ask questions. That's what I meant to talk about. Uh, so you can text in once we get into the message a little bit. There will be a number up there in the corner uh, for the, the latter half of this pretty much the whole day. You can text in questions, anything that comes up. We don't think that you should have questions and you should just sit there and just assume. I don't think we should assume anything about each other. We should assume that we're all on the same page about things, or that we all understand everything that's being said, or, or, uh, and, or even assume that we all agree on things. We're not family because we agree. Uh, that doesn't really work very long. How many of you agree with everyone in your family on everything? Like, yeah, yeah, you do. Um, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't, that's not what makes us family. Uh, we're decided to work through this stuff anyways. But we are not throwing to question in the room. It's only texted questions for this message series for obvious reasons uh, because I don't need any husbands saying, hey, Drew, tell these wives what they ought to do. Um, so like we're going to be screening questions a little bit. Uh, so if you text them in, that's really helpful. It does make for a fun conversation. Even if you think of a little joke question, you want to text that in. That's fun. We get to end on a high note at the end of the day. If you text in funny stuff that we get to laugh together about. So you want to get into this. XOXO. This is not a, um, a, 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 marriage series. It's not a romantic love kind of series. I'm not going to talk to you about your sex life. You're welcome. I'm not going to talk to you about the Bible's uh, blueprint for marriage. We're not even going to... Next week, we might talk a little bit about some a relationship story in the Bible, but for the most part, the only love stories in the Bible are... I'm, not all of them, but most of them, they're awful. Uh, they're really, really bad, but we can have a little bit of fun with that next week. We'll, we'll talk a, about a love story there, but that's not really the direction that we're going here. X's and O's are typically associated with kisses and hugs, so we've been kind of saying like, well, this is a message series about the people in your relationship that you care about the most, whether it's people you kiss or people you hug. Now, I am married Megan's married too, um, and she's going to come up and she's going to talk and share a little bit too. So we may talk about marriage like it's the only thing. It's just not though. Uh, it's just because, you know, this relationship means a lot to us. We have three kids together. We got a house and, and a van and a church, and she does the checklist, the click list thing for our groceries. So, I mean, it's a, it's a real thing we got going on between us. And so you'll have to forgive us if it starts to sound a little bit like, you said it wasn't a marriage series, and then all you talked about was your marriage. And was like, well, you know, that's what we know. Uh, and, and we're standing here together. Um, that being said, I, I do love the institution of marriage, but the interesting thing about the relationship of the church and marriage or Christianity and marriage is that it's not exactly like a Jesus thing, you know? So I, I like to talk about marriage in the respect that it's an institution that I love being a part of, 
but it's not really a Christian thing. I mean, Jesus never got married. Christ himself never got married. He never performed any weddings that we know about. The Apostle Paul actually said of marriage at one point, he said it's an acceptable but less than ideal custom for Christians to practice. Like that's Paul's actual taught message on marriage. So uh, marriage is a little like... Marriage is a little like Chick-fil-A to Christians. Um, it's, uh, it, we love their chicken, right? But it doesn't have a whole lot to do with Jesus. Like, it's not really a Jesus thing. It can be a, a Jesus thing. We can pray for the chicken. They're closed on Sundays. I know that makes them Christian. But what does that make us? We're only open on Sundays, so I don't know where the logic is in all of that. But anyways, there's three major temptations in the relationships that matter the most to you. We can put up this first, um, the, the, this first slide, I think, Ben. The three weeks, these are designed to help you get the most out of the relationships that matter the most to you. In order to do that, we're talking about three temptations that you will face in your most important relationships. Your best friends, your roommates, your husband, your wife, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your brother, your sister, your next door neighbor, your co-workers. There are three temptations you will always face in those, and they are the temptations that Christ faces in Matthew chapter 4. Last week we talked about temptation number one, when Jesus is in the desert and he's fasting and praying and the devil comes and he says, why don't you turn these stones into loaves of bread, break your fast? And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm not going to trade the small thing of a little loaf of bread for the big thing of my relationship with my Heavenly Father. And so we talked about how sometimes, to some people, lesser people than us, right, smaller people than us, sometimes we let really tiny little arguments and really tiny little character flaws and differences in personality become really big things that drive wedges between the relationships that matter the most to us. And Megan and I talked about in our marriage how the fact that I am on time for everything and she's late for everything is such a small, tiny detail in the grand scheme of things, right? The click list thing gives you an hour of window there, so that's not a marriage issue, right? The kids, like, they don't know what time is. Time's just a construct, and they don't understand it, so they don't know when we're late. Like, all the, the church starts when it starts. You get here when you get here, right? It's all, all of those things, like, they're kind of not big deals. Like, time just isn't that big, but it's a small thing that has wedged its way into our relationship in a way that's caused some really big arguments. Has anybody else experienced anything like that in your most important relationships? Tiny things where you end up in these huge feuds and you're looking at each other later on and you're like, what was this about again? Like, oh yeah, well you got here five minutes later than I thought you were going to. That's what this is about? That's why I feel like we can't even do this anymore? And that's, anyways, that's what we talked about last week. This week we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 5. Then the devil took him up to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. That's ridiculous, right? It's a ridiculous temptation, especially when the devil has just said to Jesus, turn these stones into loaves of bread, and he says, I'm not doing that. But here's the interesting thing about it, and I think this does apply to our relationships that matter the most to us in the temptation and the way temptation works in our life. If Jesus had, just go with me, Hypothetically, if he had turned stones into bread like the devil suggested and ate them there, and then preachers like me would like later on be like, yeah, well, Jesus said love your enemies, and he had waffles with the devil in the desert, right? It's not, a, it's not that weird. It's not that big of a deal. It wasn't even a sin. But if he had said yes to the first temptation, 
then the next temptation sounds a little less ridiculous, doesn't it? If he had traded the small little thing of making some bread for the big thing of his relationship with the Heavenly Father, well, then the next thing that the devil says wouldn't sound quite, he's like, well, he suggested the bread thing, and that turned out okay. But since Jesus says no, the next temptation just sounds even more ridiculous. He wouldn't even turn stones into bread. What makes you think he's going to throw himself off the temple? But then he quotes scripture. The devil quotes scripture. He says, he will order his angels to protect you. They will hold you up with their hands. You won't even hurt your foot on a stone. For years, I've, I've seen this as a progression. I've seen this as a temptation that kind of builds on the first temptation. It depends on a yes from the previous temptation. But since it was a no, it just kind of looks increasingly ridiculous. If Jesus had been willing to, to trade this small thing of, his char- of, of a, like a character flaw, if he was willing to just say yes to the previous thing, then the next thing you know, would have come a little bit differently. But since he didn't, we get to just sort of learn from this second temptation. And here's how I want to talk about this temptation for us today. And Megan's going to come and she's going to share a little bit too. I think she has more to say than me this week. No, it's probably not true. Um, but we do have some notes that we're going to share. If you want to hop up and grab uh, the other mic that looks like this one, I think is ready to go for you. Um, we're going to call this, and this is the first set of blanks in your sermon notes, temptation two is to test the limits of grace in your relationships. If you want to fill in those blanks, temptation two is to test the limits of grace. I don't know what's pink in your notes. She highlighted her lines in pink, and mine just all look like this. You ready? This is Megan, everyone. It's my good friend, Megan. She's, uh, she's going to be helping out with some things today. Jesus is being tempted here with a phrase that indicates that God will still take care of him even if he does something wrong or dumb or dangerous, right? The devil is basically using the gospel against Jesus who is the gospel in flesh. He's saying if you, throw yourself, if you do something dumb or dangerous here, if you do something, God will still protect you and he'll still love you. He'll still care for you. And the crazy thing about that, and before um, Megan jumps in on this, the crazy thing about that is that it's true. You know, the crazy thing about what is actually being said here is, is just, let's pause for a moment and consider that God knows just how bad you think you are, and he loves you anyways. He knows the mistakes that you make, and he loves you anyways. He knows the mistakes that you're going to make, and he loves you anyways. He knows the things that you have said to him over and over and over again. I'll never do that again. He knows that you're lying when you say that, and he still lets you in. He knows that you're bad for publicity, and he still lets you be a part. He still invites you to be a part of his family, of his communion. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And that's what the devil is using against Jesus. He's saying, test the limits of this thing. He's saying, you know that your God has no limits to his grace. Let's push that a little bit. And Jesus responded, the scriptures say, you must not test the Lord your God. Yeah, that's where I'll pick up. <laughs> that's, there it is. Um, Yeah, so you must, Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. So in other words, why would you want to do that to someone you love, right? Why would you want to put them in that situation? In the relationships that um, matter the most to you, we're constantly tempted to test those limits of grace. 
you know, we, I don't, I guess when the, the relationships that matter the most to you, whether they're your parents or a spouse or a friend or a colleague, whoever it may be, there are things that you do that you know they probably prefer you not to do, right? <laughs> there, whether I, mean, I don't. Yeah, maybe. I only do what I know you like. Right. I, yes. <laughs> I don't but do anything I should. you do them anyways because you know that they'll probably forgive you, right? In those most important relationships, in those relationships that you know they really you really care about each other. We're tempted to, to test those limits. We're tempted to take it a little bit further than we probably should because they're going to forgive us. They're going to, you know, they, maybe they won't even notice. Maybe they won't even say anything to you about that. Yeah, we have this attitude of it's not like you're going to leave for this, right? It's not like you're going to walk out of the relationship for this. Now, I know we're, again, last week we spent the whole the whole talk time up on our high horses and pretending that this is problems that other people have and not us. And we can do that again this week if that's helpful. And then whenever we get out of here, we're like, okay, I didn't want to let on that that's true for me, but it kind of is. But let's just consider, is this true for, for us at all? Is this something that we do at all? Is it something where we're kind of like, I know there are things that my most important relationships that my wife, my husband, my kids, I know there are things that I do that annoy the heck out of them. I know I'm pushing their limits here. I know that I'm doing that. But Megan um, loves to keep our home as neat as possible, right? And she does a really great job of it. And, and with three young children and a man-child, uh, that is not an easy task. And I honest, honestly believe that she does a great job of maintaining it despite everything that, against, that is against her in it. And every day of my life, I notice things like dirty dishes and, and musical instruments laying around. Socks. Socks laying I mean, <laughs> these are the things I notice. Toys. Uh, there, there's toys. There's always a full trash can, you know, that I could take care of. There's unfolded laundry that I choose to walk right on past before we ever got married. I never folded laundry. What's the point? I'm just going to wear the gray shirt anyways. Um, the, 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 I know that she would want me to pick up a few things here and there. I know that she would want me to take out the trash whenever it's full. Instead of using the rule that I've always thought was God's rule, he who makes it topple takes it out. That if I can stack it without it falling out of the trash can, it's not my job. Until it falls out of the trash can, it's not really neat. But that's not her rule. Um, I, I've, I walk by these things all too frequently. I pass them by with the attitude of, she'll still love me after all, Right? You have something you're... Yeah, and then on the other hand, Drew loves to create beautiful things. He loves to... And thought-provoking things. He likes to have big ideas in his mind all the time. He just just keeps it going. His head is always going. <laughs> I'm not like that. I'm just like, I'm doing the dishes, and that's all I'm doing. I'm just doing the dishes. Um, but he, he, that's what he... He loves to do. He loves to create things and do things um, like that. I could ask Drew every single day of my life, so what are you working on today? What are you thinking about today? 
And he could give me a list of things that he's working on, thinking about, creating, whatever. And even though I would love to know those things, I don't do that. I don't ask every day. I, I don't know. I get busy in my own tasks and doing my own things. And I forget and very rarely ask those questions, even though I know how much it would mean to him. But I don't because... I, I usually know. track her down and yeah, force her to he, listen to the he song will track anyways. Yeah, you track me down and get my opinion anyways. anyways. <laughs> true. But I don't do that because, I, I don't know, I guess I know he'll still love me. <laughs> right? Yeah, so in the relationship, right. In the relationships that matter the most to you, there are things that you do or things that you don't do that you know are not in the best interest of the relationship, right? There are things where we test the limits of grace in our most important relationships, why? Why do we do that? I'm gonna, we're going to offer three uh, different explanations. One of the first two is probably going to ring a bell for you, maybe both of them. But for us, we kind of came up with these two and talked about it. And I was like, well, the first one, you know, she said, I kind of feel like it's more that for me. The second one, I was like, yeah, it feels more like that for me. Uh, so I would encourage you to write these down as we go through them. See if there's something you can actually change practically in your own life. This is a message series about change. I know. They should just love me for me, Drew. I shouldn't have to change for the people that I care about the most. They should just love me. And I was like, well, I mean, good luck with that. I don't, there's a, there are some people who will love you anyways, right? Jesus and, and maybe your mom and, and maybe your pastor. Uh, we, we are kind of, in, we don't have a choice, right? We're backed into a corner. We got to love people anyways. But then there's a whole lot of other people in your life that if you're not willing to make some changes here and there at times, like address some personality traits and some flaws and willing to make some sacrifices and, and, uh, and, and make, uh, address some things that maybe need addressed there are relationships that will suffer because of that these temptations will damage so number one why shouldn't you test the limits of grace in your most important relationships because it's lazy that's your the next blank yeah <laughs> anybody ever thomas you can go play the organ on that <laughs> <laughs> This, to me, is probably the most obvious issue um, in, in testing those limits. Um, most of the ways that we test the limits of grace, I feel like, stem from a little bit of selfishness and laziness, um, just from my experience. I don't know if any of you can relate to that at all. Um, and I want to talk about something that not every, I don't know, I think pretty much everybody probably deals with is social media. Anybody on social media? <laughs> um, and I'm the, the Facebooks, first. the Instagrams. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, I'm the first. No, never heard of it. All right. Nobody wants to admit it, Drew. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's going to tell you I why you won't admit it. Yeah, I know. We, I know. Because I'm the first to raise my hand and say, ooh, guilty. Um, I don't know. I think social media has got to be one of the laziest forms of communication that we have right now. Um, it, it gets in the way of our relationships, even though it's supposed to be the platform for, you know, relationships and connecting and whatever. Um, but I think it gets in the way. I, I have gotten in, I've gotten so much information about people's lives and things that maybe I needed to know, but probably I didn't need to know. <laughs> um, by social media by looking scrolling through and getting that information 
And I got that information, and the people that I'm looking at, looking for, they don't even know I care. They don't know that I'm sitting there wondering, oh, how are they doing? Because I'm just getting it off my phone I'm just or the computer or whatever. And if those relationships that I care about really matter, really are that important to me, wouldn't it be healthier for me to text them or call them or meet up with them or do something and get that information from them? You know, I mean, I know they're yeah, yeah. giving the information, but so that they know I actually care, so that they know I'm looking into it. I, I am thinking about you. I'm, you know, because they don't really know who's, you know, who's, who's checking in on them if you're just getting the information from and just to Facebook. And I'm so guilty of and this. <laughs> just to clarify on that, I think one of the things that should be said of this, just for this particular, it's just an example, people. So, like, don't worry. We're not suggesting no. that you should get rid of it. No, no, what no. we're actually saying is that social media could be a really, really great way to drive us to do the hard work in our relationships. Does that make yeah. sense? If I see that someone's struggling there, it's a pretty right. good opportunity to say, all right, well, this the laziest possible form of this is for me to, thoughts and prayers, right? The laziest yeah. possible form is yeah. for me to read it there, or, or Megan will come to me sometimes, and, and she'll say, I hope you don't mind me saying this. Oh, no. I'm going to say it. Okay. We'll cut it out of the, of the podcast, right? Only these people will know, and they won't tell anybody. But she'll come to me, and she'll say, like, oh, did you hear about the surgery that, that uh, she's having this week? And I'll be like, uh, no. No, how do you know about this? You're like, oh, well, it's on social media. I was like, oh, okay. Well, did you reach out? Mm-mm-mm-mm. No. Like, uh, this <laughs> so we have this. This is potentially an opportunity. I'm not saying we shouldn't be on that. I think, you know, Facebook's the new post office, all right? It's inevitable. There's really no way yeah. around these things. But I, I, I would just say let's let it use it. Let's use it pragmatically as, like, let's not be lazy. Let's not test the limits of our friendships and our relationships by, like, knowing everything, reading everything, but then not doing the work of connecting. Sorry. No, that's, you said what I was going to say. So. I did? Yeah. Well, you got to give me the notes with the purple. <laughs> I think that's all I have today. That's all you're sharing on? That's all I'm sharing today. Oh, Megan. All right. Well, if anybody has any questions that address Megan ad- directly, we'll hand her a microphone again. Thank you for sharing that part of today. I'm going to figure out how I'm going to say the rest here. Um, I think calling this stuff lazy is a huge leap forward in the relationships that matter the most to you because it requires that we acknowledge that for the most part, the things that we do to test the limits of our most important relationships are kind of obvious to us, right? I mean, rarely are we, are we regularly tempting, regularly testing the limits of the people that we care about the most in ways that we don't actually know are true. So let's look at number two. Uh, this one kind of speaks to me a little more. Um, why, why is this an issue for us? Why shouldn't you test the limits of grace and the most important relationships? The second set of blanks is because it's easy to fix. Why shouldn't we do this? Because, well, it's lazy, but it's also really easy to fix. The most important, the things that we do to test the limits of grace in our relationships, they're mostly just not that hard to address. This ties into laziness a little bit, but I want to kind of make it a little more practical. You, you could make a list 
of the ways that you're testing the limits of grace in your relationships. You could put them on your calendar. Most of the ways that we test the limits of grace in our relationships are really easy to fix, but we're just being lazy or we're forgetting, right? I don't actually walk by the trash can all the time because I don't care what my wife thinks. I walk by it because I just don't see it the same way, right? I don't you know, never fold the laundry or clean up the musical instruments or like just to stay in the vein of that example. I don't do that stuff just to be mean. I just don't, I forget about it. I forget it. I don't pass up dirty dishes or anything like that because, and it's just because, and so one of the things that I've tried to do, I have lists of things that I do every week, right? Do you? Do you have some sort of calendar, some sort of like the meetings that I'm going to take, the agenda, the things that I need to accomplish every day? I have started, this is the most unromantic thing I could possibly suggest to you, but come on, it's helpful. I've started putting that stuff on the list, on the list. Sometimes it'll be like, you know, um, make sure you do this part of the notes today, do this thing on social media today, do this thing for music today, you know, call that booking, whatever. And then I'll have on the list, ask Megan if there's anything you need to do around the house. It's literally on the list. And I think that's one of the biggest things. It's such an easy thing to fix for the most part. If we care about these relationships and we're calling them the relationships that matter the most to you, we're talking about things that are so easy to fix, but we're testing the limits of grace in our relationships constantly by not doing that. It's just never on the list of goals and deadlines and everything, but it should be. It could be. Is this helpful? So the laziness thing is really a reminder to when you notice or when you know, like really connect with people. Seek for those opportunities to actually really can ask the question, like do I know things that people are going through but I'm not helping them? Do I know things that I, ways that I could show up for people in their lives and I'm just not? Am I just being lazy about it? And then also have those lists, the easy to fix stuff. And then let's finally talk about this. And, and I'm not going to end in a, um, there, there's a little bit of fear in this final one, but let's, uh, let's, let's address it and let's try to be really honest with each other about it. Why shouldn't we test the limits of grace in your most important relationships? Number three is this, because in your relationships, grace is not limitless. Why shouldn't we test these limits? We talked about at the start, the gospel, you know, we we talked about at the beginning of this, God will love you anyways. There, There are, your relationship with your heavenly father is not contingent on your, on your good behavior. That is the message of the gospel. That is what Jesus came to declare and proclaim. Your relationships with the people that you care about the most are not limitless. They are contingent on some things. You, <laughs> no, nowhere in your life are you actually unconditionally loved. Or, or at least in some of the relationships of your life that matter a whole lot to you. It is not unconditional. It will not, it will not survive every single test. There is a reality here that your best friend didn't forgive the sins of the whole world, even when they weren't asking for it, right? You're not married to God. You're not, your spouse and your children and your parents and your friends, they have limits, just because you can get away with certain things and behaviors and habits and negligence now doesn't mean that you always will. 
Some of those relationships, if you continue to test the limits of the relationship, guess what? Eventually, you're going to find the limit of the relationship. You understand what I'm saying? And, I, and like I said, I hate like using a, a fear as a motivator here. And I don't, I don't want it to be that. I don't want it to be something where we're kind of like, you got to fix it or they're going to leave you. But I'm just saying, like, that's kind of true, though. We have to go first in our relationships that matter the most to us. The church of the risen Jesus, it, we have a commitment that we have to make to go first, to be the humble one, to be the one who's like, I want this to work. I want this to last. I want this friendship to be forever. I want this marriage to be forever. I want my relationship with my kids to be forever. And so we have to address the ways that we're testing the limits of grace because if we don't, eventually we're going to find that our relationships do not have limitless grace. Eventually, people will stop putting up with it. Eventually, people will walk out on us. Again, not a great motivator for love, not a great motivator for the, but just as a really important thing to remember in our relationships, I think, it's, I think it matters to say, hey, laziness, yeah, they'll love you anyways. Hey, stuff that's easy to fix that you don't fix, yeah, they'll love you anyways. For a while, there are limits to this stuff, and it, eventually it becomes not love. Eventually it's so selfish of us to not address these things in ourselves that need addressed that it's not even loving the other person anymore. It's just loving ourselves. Eventually refusing to change, refusing to acknowledge is not like, well, I'm just doing me, boo. I'm just doing me. Eventually it's just you being selfish. Eventually it's just me refusing to pick up my socks. Eventually that's a problem, right? And it can become bigger. Eventually those small things will threaten the big thing of the relationships that matter the most to you. I have one more statement uh, that we can put up here as just a kind of a final thought. And then I'd like to throw open some questions. You can humble yourself for the good of your relationships or your relationships will humble you. And this is just something that years of experience and learning and friendship will teach all of us is that kind of like there's no such thing as a limitless relationship. You always find those limits. But we have an opportunity up front, and this is where I would say, like, I don't want it to be a fear motivator. I want, I want this to be um, positive reinforcement. I want this to be like, well, let's just seek to be humble. Let's humble ourselves so that life doesn't have to humble us as much, right? Let's humble ourselves so that the relationships that we care about the most don't have to humble us in the negative way, in the harmful way, in the hurtful way. We can choose to sort of lay our own swords down, lay our own selfishness down. Um, do we have any questions, anything that you'd like to text in? I'm going to pause on this for just a second. I have one that came in. Anybody else that would like to text something? I would love that. I'd appreciate it. When people flood social media, hopefully we're not talking about anybody that's in this room, but if we are, like, let's, you know, let's get it out there. Uh, when people flood social media with all kinds of info, and we all do at times when we all have, like, this, these moments where we're kind of, like, 
oversharing. We forget that what you type there goes to everybody forever. This is actually when I was teaching middle school last semester, it was actually one of the things that we were addressing with 11 and 12 year old kids is, hey, by the way, and they don't care, they're 11 and 12, they didn't catch it, but we tried anyways. Hey, by the way, here's how social media works. You put this up here, and then 20 years when you're looking for a job, somebody's going to find it. You say these things, it's going to be there. And so this is kind of a, when people flood social media with all kinds of info, how can we let them know that they are testing the limits of grace? How can we uh, address this from the other side? Um, so let, let's address it from the other side. Let me, let me address it hopefully from both sides. I don't have answers for these questions, but I'll try to respond in some way. Um, I do think that I have maybe something helpful to say here. And Megan, if you think of anything, you just come up and grab this out of my hand and you, you share it. Um, there are some who, some of us who use social media as a cry for help at times, and, and it's not a bad one, you know? Hopefully, these people are your friends. Hopefully, some of your friends will hear it. I mean, if you need help, get help. Tell somebody, all right? Um, there is a responsibility that I think we do all have to take for our own health, mental, and otherwise. Like, we have to care for ourselves and say, okay, Posting to social media is a way for me to put it out there for everybody, but it's also kind of lazy if I need a friend. It is also not the best possible way to get somebody to show up for me. Now, hopefully, you have some people in your life like Megan who are going to read that message that you put out there, and then they're going to call you and say, I saw you needed help, I saw you put out the bat signal, and here I am to help. But Let's also just remember that putting it out that way, this sort of broad strokes thing of like, I don't know who my real friends are, but I hope they'll come through for me now, is still sort of a lazy not acknowledging because every one of us has been in the situation. I'm saying this hopefully as a way to, to, to be helpful. Every one of us has been in a situation where somebody calls on you when they need help. And don't we kind of love that? Don't we want to be that for the people that we care about the most? I mean, if my wife was really struggling and really hurting and she posted to social media and didn't tell me, wouldn't that be kind of concerning? Wouldn't that be kind of a like, well, why wouldn't you talk to me about it? Well, maybe it was about you or maybe whatever. Why wouldn't we find those people that we know can Does this Is this kind of helpful at all? So I'm trying to address this from both sides. And then on the other side, what do we do about the people who flood social media with... Um, with their info and, and the ways that they're, how can we maybe let them know that they're testing the limits of grace? Uh, for the purposes of this message, and hopefully, you know, I love every chance that I get to say this, um, there's a way Jesus would do things, and there's a way that I would do things, right? And Jesus' way is right, and his way is better, and I always discover that. I also struggle a little bit with, like, accepting fully that that's the way to do it. Is that... Is that okay for me to say? Like, no, preacher, we would actually prefer for you to say you always do what Jesus would do. It's like, no, I don't. I don't. Jesus is love in flesh. And I would say his response, his, what he would do in these situations is, well, it's not really my job to change other people. It's not really my job to tell other people how they should post to social media. It's my job to see the cries for help and to show up for them. Like, I wish you would have called me directly, but even though you didn't, I am not going to test the limits of grace in this relationship by saying, well, if you want my help, you've got to ask for it the right way. I'm going to show up because you need it. Does that 
I know that's a little direct, and I'm not going to make very many friends on this. Somebody's not going to text me a fun question at the end of all of this. But I'm, I'm just saying the, the Jesus response is to always love sacrificially, humbly, like I hate the way you're sharing so much. I hate the way you're passive-aggressively addressing these things. I wish you would just be more. And I would just say the Jesus response is to say, hey, however you're asking for help, you're going to get help from me. However I see that you're hurting. If you're one of those people that I care about like that, if you're one of, those, if you're one of my people, and, and to some extent we are all each other's people, like we are all our own, we all belong to each other in this way, we are going to show up and we're going to say, Heard you needed help. We're here to help. Saw the bat signal. So I showed up. All right, I got another question. Yeah, one, uh, another question that's a little, maybe both about relationships and not necessarily just about relationships, and then I'll, I'll close after this if I don't get one more. Um, this says, does the scripture in Matthew show the psychology of temptation and sin? As in, you give in to one thing, and the next is easier, right? You give in to one thing, the next thing is easier. And absolutely, I think that's what Matthew, why Matthew 4 is so useful to us and so helpful to us about any, addressing any area of life. It's how temptation works. If you say yes to the little thing... It makes it easier to say yes to the bigger thing. And sometimes, like we talked about last week, sometimes the little thing, especially in our relationships, isn't even sin. It's not even wrong. Is it wrong of Jesus to turn stones into bread? I don't know. Not really. That's fine. He makes food in other places. But he had went into the desert for his relationship with his Heavenly Father. And to do that would have traded that small thing of some bread for that. So if he had said yes to that, it would have made the next thing a little easier to say yes. He was like, well, we made bread, and then that didn't turn out so bad. Maybe jumping off the temple, God will catch me. He quoted scripture. I guess he probably would. He is for, I am here to tell people that God will forgive them over and over and over again no matter what. Maybe I should demonstrate that. Maybe you could justify. So I think there is a peek into the psychology of temptation and psychology of sin in our lives that we're always going to be tempted by things that, um, things that matter less before we're tempted by things that matter more. And that's why it matters so much that we have this conversation about relationships that matter the most. Like, those tiny little arguments, those tiny little wedges, those tiny little, they're, they're really just tiny little selfishness showing its face. And they do eventually turn into bigger things. They do eventually make for bigger problems in our relationships. I have a couple more questions that came in. Let me see if I can address either one of them. Um, yeah, maybe we can look at both of these. What is a healthy way to ask your family to stop testing the limits of your grace by always leaving the lights on when they leave the room? That's a good one. <laughs> Get over it, dad. No, that's a dad. <laughs> uh, and the final question, was Satan really just that into parkour? That's uh, that's a good one. <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, parkour. We know parkour. Hardcore parkour. Parkour. You don't know? 
It's urban, urban street running. I don't know what you would really call it. It's those videos of people that run and jump off buildings and catch on to other buildings and things like that. Maybe Satan is just trying to start a viral video here. He's like, son of God, walks on water, walks on air. Like that's a, that was better than you guys gave me credit for. <laughs> All right, Uh, let's pause for just a moment here. I want to pray before we are out of here. Next week, we are going to get into the final temptation, the final message in this series. And then on March 1st, we are starting a message series on politics. Don't be nervous, uh, okay? We really have some things that I, I think... It's, this is something I've avoided for so long, not a conversation I want to have. We are not endorsing a candidate for the presidency. Let me give you a little, uh, let me give you a little information right here. This might just blow your mind. Um, there are Democrats in the room right now. Yeah, I know, right? Shouldn't they be out protesting something? There are Republicans in the room right now. I know, right? Like, do they have a gun? Probably. Be cool, man. Right? There are libertarians in the room right now. I know them. I get to know these things. And I know you Republicans and Democrats are both like, yeah, we know. High as a kite. I can recognize one of those anywhere. <laughs> we don't agree on this stuff, and we're still going to be family. So I'm not going to use March to talk about I just think presidential election year, the amount of energy and press that goes into this, this is something Jesus addresses a lot. This is something the scriptures actually are not silent on, uh, that unity, union together, finding ways to disagree and still be family, finding ways to say, you see it that way, I see it that way, and I think we're both good people. Finding that balance is really the purpose of this message series. So um, please, please make a point to be here for that. Don't be nervous. Also, you'll get a free T-shirt. Come for that. If, if you're not into the politics thing, I'm not either. My wife's not either. It's kind of, we're both the kind of people that's like, oh, boy, here we go. Like, I don't want to go down that road, but I just think that there is a road that we could go down that actually, if you're the kind of person who says, I hate it when we start talking about politics, like, I think you're going to like this message series because I really think we're going to be able to have the conversation in a way that's like, oh, yeah, you hate that over there. So does God. You hate that over there. Yeah, that stuff is not Christ-like at all. And there is a way for us to work together in these things and care for each other and even have conversations and realize, oh, we disagree and we're still, fa- that does, that's not why we were family. That can actually work. So please um, make your plans to be here next week and in March for that. And that'll kind of lead us into the Easter season, which is a, the, the, really the story of the passion and crucifixion of Jesus is an ex- incredibly politically charged um, kind of thing, and so that's part of why we're doing it when we're doing it, um, is to talk about the politics surrounding that and what all that has to do and has to speak to us. Uh, Jesus actually gave us a pretty good example for how to deal with a government that isn't much like us, how to deal with a people who are on the opposite end of things who aren't very much like us. He, he's not silent on that. So we'll get into that. Um, if you're in here with somebody right now who's a relationship that you care about a, mo- a whole lot, a relationship that matters a ton to you, maybe you'd like to put your hand around them, maybe you'd like to take their hand, uh, you, could, you could put an arm around them, um, or you could just think about them and close your eyes real tight and think about them if they're not here uh, with you right now. I want to pray blessing into your life and then uh, 
we will uh, go about our Sunday together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. Thank you uh, for your word today. I pray that it was spoken in a way that was clear and helpful. God, I'm grateful um, for the people of this church family. I'm grateful for this community and this communion that we have here. I'm grateful that we don't face these things alone, uh, that we actually get to walk it out together. God, that we're not really a church that says my marriage is the only relationship that matters. We're not a, a church that says my, my um, relationship with my kids is the only one that matters. We're, we're a church that says, no, actually, you have, God has surrounded me with people to enrich my life and so that I can enrich theirs. He's surrounded me with people that I can encourage and who can encourage me. Father, I pray that we would continue to do that. For the, the people who are with someone right now or maybe thinking about someone who couldn't be here or isn't here for any reason, Father, I pray that you would just um, restore things in those relationships, in those friendships. God, give them joy together. Give them peace together. Help them to find the ways that they disagree and to discover that disagreement is, is not something that we can't work through. God, help them to see that uh, the ways that we see things differently are really just opportunities for us to actually love each other. God, that love isn't present in agreeing on everything. Love is present whenever we realize we disagree and we put the relationship in front of our selfishness, in front of our own desires for things, in front of those things. God, humble us in the ways that we need to be humbled to, to, to have strong relationships, to have relationships that could really go the distance, that could really last. And let Risen Church be a church where, where families really do get to stay together where people really do get to care for each other for the long haul, that we really do get to walk these friendships all the way. Uh, we love you, God. We give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being here today. You have a wonderful Sunday, and we will be.